Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox's Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake. My name is Pete Selby. Alongside me in For Fox's Sake HQ is Mr. Rob Hayes. Hello, Rob. Happy summer, Peter. How are you? Um, my, name, my name's Peter, by the way. How are you? Robert. Pleasure to meet you. Yes. I'm very hot and sweaty in this heat wave that we're having but even even though no one can see us i still put my hand out to shake your hand when i, I introduce myself we, but we shook hands when when we arrived together at for fox hq that's true um long time no see what have you been doing go uh just got a new job Ooh. near peterborough oh so the a47 is now my best friend is it a, is it a, is it a posh job yeah. It's quite a posh school, actually. Is it really? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, and, and, and also I'm in a sort of khaki and stone number for you today. Right. Mm. Shorts and t-shirt, casual wear for me. What have you been up to? Me? Um, I've been on holiday. I was best man at a wedding uh, in Ibiza. Um, so as you do, it was really good. good. Nice area. It wasn't. All, it wasn't. Um, no, San Antonio. It wasn't anything like that. It was. Uh, it classy, was, classy it was, Ibiza. It was, it was classy. It was classy. Mm. Um, and you've you've recently become a fully fledged real life freelance broadcaster of the real world. I am now my own boss. I have uh, decided to leave the paid ranks of being chained by the man, by the big firms. I am now my own boss. You're a free spirit, Selby. I've set my own firm up. So if anybody wants any voiceover work, any broadcasting (laughs) work, any commentary work... Shameless plug. Exactly. Then I'm your man. You know how to get hold of me via this podcast or via somewhere else. And uh, there we go. Don't you maybe use this podcast as a basis for my work? Yeah. If if you've got a boss that needs a, uh, a voiceover doing and you're like, oh, yeah, I know these two lads that do a podcast, don't show them this. Yeah. We're going to use the one who speaks... See, look, I've lost my words then. I was going to say more terribly. We're going to use the one <laughs> who terribly. speaks like this. Yeah, I, the, the one with the local lingo, the local twang, not the uh, the one who teaches down at the posh school in Peterborough. Uh, the one with the uh, northwest Leicestershire accent. But anyway, that's that's what I've been doing. So um, I'm skint, basically, now. Good. Uh, so there we go. You'll have to get some bookings in. Yes. Hence the shameless plug within two minutes of our first podcast in a while. Exactly. And hence the fact that I've got nothing to do apart from prepare for this podcast. Isn't it miserable now the World Cup's over? I really liked it. I liked it because, um, and this might sound very wishy-washy, hippie-ish, obviously after going abroad like and all that sort of thing. Um, but I liked how everyone supported the same side, which I know it sounds like someone... Uh, someone who doesn't like football or doesn't watch football would say during the summer at a World Cup, I like how everyone's supporting the same side. There's no arguments. But I do. It's been nice. No one said, Man U this, Leicester that, Man City that, Forest... Well, not Forest because no one cares. But it's... <laughs> do you know what I mean, though? It, yeah. it is It is slightly nice. because, And also, I've never... And, and this is because of, obviously, England doing um, fairly well and uh, and being quite a likeable side, you mm-hmm. know, likeable manager and all that sort of thing. Um, you kind of forget about where the player's from as well. So Harry Kane, it was 
go on, Harry, score it. We know you can do it. Score out really supporting mm. him when he plays. Any other time of the season, we wouldn't want him to play uh, score. No, because he, he he does actually annoy me quite a lot for Tottenham. Mm. Not all Tottenham players do. Most of them do. Um, in fact, they all do. But uh, he does quite a lot, just just through the way he is. But then when he was playing for England at the World Cup, it all. Didn't even cross my mind. No, exactly. Even though exactly the commentators right. were saying, "Oh, this team's made up of nearly half Spurs players," blah blah blah. I was like, not bothered. Glenn Hoddle. Well, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Absolutely awful. Also, it's highlighted a lot of things that everyone knew anyway. How poor a broadcaster and commentator Glenn Hoddle is. Uh, also, Mark Lawrenson should be binned. Um, I, I I said before the. I mean, a bit of a after time and something but uh, I have to say about Ali McCoy's being on the radio when he first appeared on Five Live six, seven months ago he was on ITV wasn't he really good I think um, he was he was great on ITV also on the radio um, when Shearer was part of the co-commentary team with Dublin so they had Dion Dublin Alan Shearer alongside a co- fan it was There's really two centre forwards you would not have wanted to play against true but it was it was really good mm. and um, it, it's it's been a great World Cup the best World Cup by far it really has been Chris Chris Waddle Waddle's always good good value him oh, who was he oh, when, when he was shouting at Manuel Neuer because he was playing left wing when Germany were about to exit the World Cup he was going you're a goalkeeper playing on the left wing you're a disgrace I was just like what are you doing That's... How, do you, how do you know Chris Waddle's from Dorset that mate honestly I didn't even know where he was from he didn't know where he was from when he was doing that hang on let's just let's he just go lo- back to the accent he lost it let's just go back to that that was incredible did you enjoy it I'm not I'm quite, quite worried halfway through did you enjoy it for the wrong reasons I enjoyed right it reasons? at the start and then mm. I got concerned for your health mm. um, anyway no it's been a brilliant World Cup there's some of the games were fantastic I watched a lot of them when, when I was away um, I saw Germany get knocked out in the airport on the way back Wait. and the whole place went mad um, the place I was staying was full of Germans, so when they good. lost uh, their first game, it was it was that was really good. Um, the whole thing was fantastic, and it was a shame with England they didn't get through to the final. But never mind, everyone just had basically three or four weeks of bloody good football in England doing well. We enjoyed a major tournament for the first time. Well, first time I can ever remember enjoying one because. Uh, Italian 90 was the year I was born. First tournament I can remember is Euro 96. Well, Italian Italia 90, if you're sticking with World Cups, the problem with Italian 90 is that everyone looks at it through rose-tinted spectacles of Pavarotti and uh, the, the images of it- Italian goal scorers running away, going, you know, shouting this, that and the other. Um, was it Toto Scalacci and all that sort of thing? Um, but the actual... And obviously England with Platt's goal, Gazza's tears... And the penalty shootout. But you have to remember that the actual World Cup was pretty poor. Was it? It really was quite poor. So this was the best World Cup. I thought, oh, France 98 was my best before um, before this one. But this one mm. blows everything out of the water. All The vast majority of games were very, very good. Lots of great goals. England doing well. Um, and also, I suppose we better, after what half an hour of uh, recording, we better go... Back to Leicester and obviously Maguire and Vardy. It's a shame about Vardy's injury. Maguire, it makes me laugh with Maguire. I don't know about you, but um, everyone's going on about him and we know how much of a goal can cover up a performance. Um, but like with Deli Ali, for instance, against Sweden, who he was terrible, but he scored the second terrible goal. Terrible the whole tournament. Yeah, he, he, but he scored the second goal, so everyone said he had a good game when he didn't. But with Harry Maguire, I'm not saying he, he didn't play very well, but 
I thought he played well because he played how he does for Leicester. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't any surprise for me, but for a lot of people it turns out it was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, carrying the ball 20, 30 yards and then happy to offload it at the very last second, whereas a lot of centre-backs, most centre-backs that have ever worn a Leicester shirt are get rid of it and and then deal with the repercussions after. I saw um, Rio Ferdinand was talking about it quite a lot on on BBC, and he said that Sven Joran Eriksson said to him, if you're in your own half, you get rid of that ball. And Rio Ferdinand was like, I am one of the greatest ball-playing centre-backs of my generation. That's how I play. That's what sets me apart at a higher level than most of the centre-backs in the Premier League. I want to play out from the back. And Sven went, if you try and play out from the back, I'll drop you. Yeah. Southgate went, we'll play three at the back. All three of you comfortable on the ball. Off you go. And look, Harry Maguire was playing left side of the three. He would often be further forward than Ashley Young. And for me, most of the time, apart from a crossing to the box, I'd rather have Maguire on the ball than Ashley Young. Yeah, it's it, he played very well. And it's, as I mentioned, obviously, it's a shame with Vardy. But uh, England overall played well for, for the team that they've got. They're, mm. they're no great shakes, really. If you look at that side, they've got one or two good players. And, uh, and it's something to build on. It was interesting with his quotes and trying to dovetail back to Leicester, really. But... Um, Southgate afterwards, who mentioned about players coming through, the likes of uh, Winks in midfield, who I thought we really could have done with, really, someone to put the foot on the ball. Um, and and also players who weren't there. And then some youngsters coming through, and he mentioned Madison as well. Mm. He, he mentioned it'll be interesting to see what his step-up is like to the Premier League after a, a brilliant season last year for Norwich and I think everyone really unless you knew him or unless he was at his previous club or, or followed that kind of level of football I had no idea who he was until midway through last season where all of a sudden someone's pinging it in from distance and now he's going to be wearing a blue shirt so it's all it's all good for England really in the future and also their first game back will be at the King Power yeah Switzerland isn't it Switzerland at the mm-hmm. King Power sometime in September 22nd, 23rd, along that line, something like that. So that would be great, because uh, did you go to the first game? When in Was it 2003, around then? Joe Cole scored, I remember. No, I didn't. I know Heskey had the armband for a bit. I was there, and um, he had the armband for a bit, which was nice. Obviously, uh, in his hometown and everything. So, yeah, that's a great occasion for, for the club and for the fans and for the city. Um, especially after what's happened, obviously, with the World Cup. But uh, it's also recognition that um, that Leicester are an established, not established Premier League club, should really stop saying that now because, obviously, former winners we are. But um, the, 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 the statue of the club, that could have easily been at Newcastle or Sunderland even or, or wherever in terms of a huge ground. But no, they've gone with a ground that is similar to many around the country, but they've gone with Leicester. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a... It's a Kudos to the club. Yeah, I think so. Question before we move on from the World Cup, uh, because it doesn't really apply to Jamie Vardy. Did Harry Maguire play too well? Because in our podcast before the World Cup, we said we hope Maguire and Vardy play a lot for England and play well, but not too well. Because there is talk now of Harry Maguire being linked with Manchester United. Easy that There's that headline grabber... Mares story about Maguire deserves to play at a higher level. Nonsense which story. Obviously, um, yeah, is it's taken slightly out of context. Massively out of context. Massively out of context. It's, but I don't think there's a problem. Do we expect Maguire to stay? 
Yeah, easily. I I I can't see him moving unless someone comes in with a a, a massive offer, a an offer that is out of desperation. Let's let's say other targets that have been earmarked for a while, they all fall through, and all of a sudden they go for for Maguire and say, here's 70, 80 million pounds, and all of a sudden and and they offer Maguire two hundred grand a week, and Maguire goes, look, I'm sorry, I can't. Turn this down. Mm. And I, he, and I he... think it'd have to be Maguire. Oh yeah, uh, giving Maguire an offer he can't refuse because I yeah. don't think Leicester would accept anything for Maguire. No, we don't need the cash. But, but it you... would look, it would still make us a selling club. Which and we've already sold one of our best assets this summer in Maris, who will come on to um, as and when we get time in this podcast. But but that was that was expected to happen. It, if someone goes was. to a World Cup, plays well, and Leicester sell him, it doesn't send the right message to the size of the club that we want to be and the kind of club that we want to be. So I think it has to be an offer that tempts Maguire more than it tempts the owners. Yeah, if Man United... I'm going to use Man United as an example. They come in with a bid that's um, acceptable by Leicester in terms of being a substantial enough amount where if Mar- if uh, Mahrez, if Maguire turns around and says, I want to go, then they'll say, OK, and accept that money. Um, because obviously then if they get into a negotiation war with the club and it all falls through, then we've got another Mahrez on our hands. But it would have to be Maguire's instigation of that. I don't think he'll do that unless a massive bid comes in, which, of course, none of us know if it will do or not. Um, I was under no, I'm under no impression that he'll leave. I don't think there's any need to. But again, who knows? You don't know what can happen. But uh, I'm delighted for him. And uh, another thing as well, that I think there's a lot of... Um, and hopefully there'll be a lot of supporters of clubs away from, um, oh, sorry, who, who, are, who are part of the big four or five uh, clubs in, in the country, maybe six if you include, say, Arsenal in there as well, um, who maybe uh, look down on players like Maguire, um, look down on a signing for a club like Leicester when they sign Maguire for £17 million and go, hang on, how much money are you paying for? For, for him. Well, that was a and, question that people asked, wasn't it? But, that you're buying a whole centre-back for that much. Well, yeah, but for, for, for Leicester fans, when he was bought, we, we looked at the positive straight away and said, look, this is a sort of player who kind of fits the mould. He, he's almost like an old-fashioned type big defender. Yes, we know he can play, but he, he, he fits the sort of player that Leicester buy. And there was no problem with the signing at all. But I, I, what I'm trying to get across is if you're... A, if you're a supporter of a big club, I wonder if this World Cup and a player, especially like Ma- uh, like Maguire and what he's done, maybe you just kind of change your tune a bit and say, yes, we want all the fantasy names and the big names, but actually there's some really good players on the doorstep and some of them might be quite unfashionable in their looks and their approach and the way that they, that even though they are good players, but they look on the ball but they're actually really good in their position. And I'll put N'Golo Kante in this as well, mm. because too small, um, from nowhere, unfashionable name, and he's won the Premier League twice, the FA Cup, and then the World Cup in the space of, what, three years. And he's an unfashionable player. Even, well, even, not anymore. Not Well, not anymore, but he was at the time. Even at Leicester, he was quite an unfashionable player. Everyone, and then suddenly realised, actually, with him, in his, with, with him in your side, you can then build the team around him, knowing you've got that part covered, at all times, he's not going to be a problem. I just think now it might be... It, it won't. It, it will last the, the matter of days. And all of a sudden, a, a flash player from nowhere will get signed. And people will be like, oh, he's, an, he's the best thing since sliced bread. Well, he might not be. Look at West Ham. They've just gone and bought a player for 40-odd million pounds. And, you know, 
Is he any good? I don't know. Is he any good? Tell you who doesn't know. West Ham fans. He might be brilliant, but there's a massive chance he might be rubbish. And as a player, maybe in their youth team or on the sidelines or a club elsewhere in the Premier League or the well, Championship. Well, they've signed seven players, haven't they, already? You're thinking, when's my chance coming? Yeah. A lot of them are, do look quite dicey. And I know that's West Ham, but that's what I'm getting at. And, that, and that's what Leicester fans, when they're looking at these possible signings for big money, we've been stung in the past. It might be best to look closer to home. So a name we've mentioned briefly, uh, almost kind of not wanting to believe it, but it has happened. Uh, and Pete Selby's got an entire page of eulogy to the man that is the Leicester player that was Riyad Mahrez. Peter, sad. it's a sad day, well, it's but, a sad a, day. but a happy day. Yeah, I mean, it was always going to happen. So, And I think it's the right time. It feels like the right time. And a lot of things have been written and spoken about Mahrez over the last what four years or however long he's been at the club, four and a half years. But um, especially since he left, a lot of people have said it It feels like it was the right time and the right move. Now, we can debate about the price. £60 million, a lot of people say it should be more. I think he's, he's obviously worth more than that. But it's the price that was settled between clubs uh, who they didn't want to pay a certain amount and Leicester wouldn't let him go for you know for less than, than an amount probably just south of 60 And it's just okay it's been undone and I think Leicester have a lot of money so because they have so much money it doesn't really matter that he went for 60 rather than 80 yeah it's an okay deal isn't it it, it was always going to happen uh, it probably should or could have happened 6 to 12 months ago but yeah. it, it, but Man City have done the right thing this time in coming in early they, they had more to bring to the negotiating table than trying to do a deadline day deal for 25 million less than we wanted and the thing with Mares is that we've all got you know highlights and our own thoughts about him. Some people might just hate him because of uh, a few acrimonious weeks in January a couple of times. But uh, Or maybe some people just didn't like him because he didn't trap back. Um, if you are one of those, then there are people you can talk to. But um, <laughs> I'm not going to just read out a massive list of achievements with Mares. But um, we signed him 400,000. La Havre 2014, French League 2 again. And it was similar at the time. To if you go back to 2014 when we won the league to get to the Premier League, he was signed and it was almost like the next uh, Anthony Knockart. Yeah, but he couldn't get in the team ahead of him, could he? Well, he was just signed um, by Leicester and of course Knockart was playing well uh, in that. I mean, he scored them goals against Huddersfield and all sorts, didn't mm. he, Knockart, in that season of winning the league. Um, he got his first goal, Morris, against Forest away and then... He really announced himself when we played Blackpool at home and it turned into the, the classic Mares goal on the right, cuts in, left-footed curler into the far corner. It's almost Thierry Henry-esque in the way that it's become his trademark, isn't it? Yeah, and that was the first time when we all really... I remember being at the game and we were commentating and I remember going, now, hang on, this guy is is the business. He's got a lot of skill, he's, he's quicker and also at the time it was all about him or... Anthony Knockhart, I think in that game, um, they both actually started. I always thought that he started ahead of um, Knockhart. That was the first time. But I think they both started. But he just outshone him. And um, really, from then, it was only going to be Mahrez in the team rather than uh, than Knockhart. But it was a fantastic goal. And that summer, obviously, we won the league. He then played in the World Cup, which a lot of people will forget. But at the time, it was 
the first Leicester player we've had in the World Cup since Muzzy Izzet, and it was a big thing. So you were waiting for Algeria to play, and Leicester had a player who's played in the World Cup, and obviously fast forward four years, and we've got, what, nine players playing. Yeah, we're, we're a bit further along now, aren't we? And if I just go for it, everyone's going to have their highlights. So when I mention something, just picture it in your head, if you can remember the incident or the goal or the skill. And I've just written down a few things off the, off the top of my head, really. Uh, goals, I've got obviously the Man City goal away, uh, the step over and the shot to make it 2-0. Also, the slide on his knees, which he got completely wrong as well. Yeah. And that was really when we were like, look, we can really win this league. Uh, the goal against Chelsea at home in the league winning season when he turned Aspilicueta, one of the best defenders in oh, the league. inside out several times. And then it? curls it in the top corner. Um, the free kick against Bruges in Europe, we scored with... Mark Albrighton, and then he had the free kick, top corner job, nicely done, 2-0. Uh, he scored a hat-trick away at Swansea when we were absolutely flying. The free kick against Bournemouth from God knows how far out recently. Yeah. Um, many goals he scored. Uh, and also, I think his goal-scoring record sometimes gets kind of underplayed. We know, we know how skillful he is, but he scored an awful lot of goals for Leicester um, and an awful lot of assists. Obviously, when you think of Vardy you think of Mares. When you think of Mares, you think of Vardy. They go hand in hand and they will do. And if in the future, if there's a statue of one or the other built, then I think there should be. I would like to see the, the statue of when Vardy had his arms in the air at Newcastle away, looking up to the crowd when he equaled the goal scoring record and Mares jumped on his back and held himself up. There's a brilliant photo. That for me is a statue. That is the statue because it is those two who did so much. The assists for Vardy, the over-the-top goal uh, ball for his goal against Liverpool at home. Mm. He brought it down with a Cruyff turn, basically. Uh, the goal that Vardy scored against West Brom, um, over the top, which he then scored goal of the season, uh, where he stopped on the edge of the area and waited for Vardy for ages against Man United um, and just played it into his path. Very unselfish. Um, for me, the, the, the one game that really comes to mind is when we played Man City in the rain at home. And we were 3-0 up after, what, 20 minutes. Best 20 minutes of your life best, watching Leicester. Best 20 minutes I've seen Leicester play. Mm. That was, that 20 minutes, uh, it was the only time really that Slomani, Mares, and Vardy really did click. Slomani had a great uh, 20 minutes. But the one-touch layoff for Vardy to score is, I think, the best touch he's done in the Leicester shirt. It was on the, a pitch absolutely soaked. And somehow he stopped a ball in one touch... From a really quick ball to him, he, he he took one touch and in that touch he managed to lay the ball into the path of Vardy. The perfect weight in those conditions. And then Vardy scored. That is the one touch which I, I will definitely remember. Skills, step-overs galore, uh, especially against Man City. The flip-flop against Stoke. Walshvard, the defender who doesn't have a club anymore, ruined his career. Um, when he sat three Villa players on their arse when he turned on the edge of the area. There's many opportunities to... Well, many skills that you'll see on YouTube that you'll remember. If you had a season ticket, you'll remember little instances. I think James Sharp, Sharp End at, uh, at Leicester Mercury, he wrote a really nice column about Mares, saying that it's the little things with him. It's not maybe the big goals that people will remember. Um, it's the control. Maybe he did something outrageous right in front of you at the King Power. Um, did he bring the ball down once? Did he just have a no-look pass? Or did he just find a man and you were looking completely the opposite or you were shouting, berating him just to pay the ball down the line and he played a lovely through ball which ended up being a goal? It's the little moments. 
and for me, it's the control. I've never seen a player control the ball like it. And that's out. That's not just at Leicester. That's anywhere. Ever. Just the most skillful player. And if in terms of being a best player, you can argue. But if skill is equals best, then he is. He's the most skillful player that Leicester have ever had. One of the best players they've ever had by a mile. And it was just fantastic that he was a Leicester player. Also, he appeared to be absolutely loving play for Leicester. I know he had obviously issues once or twice with transfers, but he looked like he, he was part of the team and his link-up play with Vardy really sums him up for me. A very unselfish player, which you don't normally get these skillful wingers. Normally they are bull hogs and there's always a better pass. Well, if there was a better pass, he found it. That was his forte for me. Mares, skillful, great control, great pass for the ball, fantastic assists, the odd absolutely stunning goal and... I hope he goes and does it at Man City. I hope he goes and wins the Champions League for them. And people said, oh, he's going to sit on the bench. Sit on the bench? Really? Do you think he's better than Raheem Sterling? Never in a million um, years. Never. I know Sterling's got his uh, his critics. I know he's got his good points. I'm not his biggest fan. But for me, Mahrez has gone there. He's going to play 65 games next season, Man City. He'll play the vast majority of those. And if he hits the ground running... I, he's going to be a get starting lineup, surely. But I mean, end of the day, it doesn't matter because he plays for Man City. We'll we'll never see a player quite like him again. I don't think in a Leicester shirt. That was a good rant. That was wasn't it? I, no, it was a positive rant, which I enjoyed. But you, you, yes, we'll have in in the next however many hundreds of years Leicester City Football Club exists. Great players, world class players, big money players, uh, players with fantastic skill. But there was just something about him. That was that is unique. There's a lot of players that are effective because they're quite similar in a way. They've got similar attributes, whereas Maris just has something else. That, unique. Yeah, although... Individual. He, he, he was an individual. He frustrated us, didn't he? We, we're not sitting here saying that 100% of the time... Let's do his bad points. We were... Oh, shall we? Yeah. Well... Don't play for us anymore. Yeah, but the all of the times that he frustrated us... There was invariably something positive that that he either balanced it out or far outweighed it. I mean, if he bags a hat trick one game and then the next game he doesn't track back with their winger twice in a game and you and you're shouting at him, flick back to four four nights ago when he was when he was banging in the hat trick. Does that outweigh him not running back a couple of times with a player? Yes, absolutely. Is it still frustrating and are you within your rights to be a bit frustrated with him at times? Yes, but he was frustratingly brilliant. Go on, bad points. Oh, no, uh, the, the tracking back thing, he's a winger. Doesn't every winger uh, have trouble tracking back? Of course they do. Um, did he go missing in certain games? He's playing way out wide on, on the right. Yes, of course. Did he have bad games? Yes. Um, was he sulky at times? At times, but you play four and a half years at a club as bonkers as Leicester, mm. winning leagues, avoiding relegation, changing in managers, all sorts going on. And yet he seemed to be a part of that real core of the team in terms of personality, in terms of relationship with other players. Everyone seemed to really get on. He, he seemed to be properly one of the lads. I kept, I've said a number of times about him when Leicester scored a goal. He looks as delighted as everyone else mm. on the pitch that so-and-so has, has scored, even if he had no part in it. Um, it. It wasn't 10 plus 1 with him, was it? It was 11 all the time. He was every, uh, And I think you'd get a sense of it, uh, and Andy King alluded to it a little bit after the one of the transfer sagas, that if Mares wasn't pulling his weight, either in training 
or in the matches, the players had let him know. And at no point did it, did it seem like the players ever had to let him know because all, for all his flaws in terms of not tracking back or not being very strong in the tackle because his legs are made out of tiny thin sheets of glass, uh, he was always putting 100% in. You, you can never fault his commitment. Even when after January when he allegedly went AWOL, even though it's it's been later almost confirmed that the club always knew where he was and he was supposed to have a bit of time off to let everything simmer down, whatever. Everyone, even I said on the podcast, I said, I hope he comes back and plays with the right attitude. Otherwise, there's no point in him pulling a Leicester shirt on. And nobody could call into question his attitude for the last few months. There was so much else going on with Claude Puel tinkering here and there and reports of another player and revolt and stuff. But at no point did I, did I look at Maras on that pitch and at no point did the other players look at Maras on that pitch and think, he's not putting his shift in, he's not grafting for us. No, and um, it might sound, you know, uh, when we're talking about Maguire, etc. By the way, them, them quotes recently, we were just we were talking off air beforehand and it was a very leading question asked by a journalist. Uh, does Harry Maguire deserve to be playing at a high level? And um, Mahrez's answer, he basically repeated the question, going, well, yes, he deserves to be playing at the, the top level. He's good enough to play. and he's uh, But then he's at a really good club at Leicester and they've got this uh, really good club. So he never mentioned about moving anyway. He, he just repeated what the, 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 the journalist asked. And that's massively blown out of all proportion. Some people have gone mad saying he, he's saying that Maguire should leave. He never, never said that in a million years. So, uh, you know, try and read between the lines. Don't be, uh, don't just look at the headlines because the headlines are written by the person who was asking the leading question. Basically, mm. they're, they, you know, they are professional journalists. They're, they're trying to find that angle in a press conference with a player who has uh, decent English, but as English is second language, you're looking for an angle. And if you can ask that in a question, and if you they if, if the person responds by just repeating some of the, what you said then there you go, there's your angle. So don't believe all that you read. Um, yeah, it's it was always going to happen. And um, the one thing I say about Morris is that he said, obviously, you know, or, or I'm, I spoke about the playing at a high level. He kind of does. We're not in Europe. We had a, a, a season where we won the league and it was, and he was fantastic in that season we then played in the Champions League and he proved that he's good enough to play that the year after he played in a team that didn't then qualify for Europe and now he wants to go and play in Europe fair play to him fair play like I would like mm-hmm. and, 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 I'm, and I'm sorry but Leicester didn't do that now and there's no it, guarantee we ever will again no was it his fault that we didn't get into Europe partly because he's a football player playing in a blue shirt but we did not qualify for Europe okay so if he really wants to play in Europe which I don't blame him at being 27 years old after having one season in the Champions League, then okay, he wants to go and play somewhere else. And it'll be interesting to see what reception he gets. I think he'll get a decent reception at the I King Power. I so. I think he will. But um, that's Mares. I mean, we can't go on about him forever, but we've said when we won the league that every player who was based in that first team squad, when they leave, they will get a spot on this show, i.e. that we'll, that we'll talk about them for a bit. Mares obviously we spoke for 20 minutes about and we won't again, but... Um, Kante got one, Drinkwater got one, yeah. even Robert Huth got one. Yeah, Robert Huth got one. They, they all will get one, and and obviously some more might leave uh, sooner rather than later. And if when we do another podcast, if three have left, then obviously we'll condense it a bit more. But with Mares, you're talking about one of the best players, if not the best player that's ever played for the club, and it'd be a delight to see him, especially in Europe. You know, in Premier League, we know what he can do, but in Europe, 
you know, I hope he goes and, and does really well. And actually, what I hope he ha- what I hope happens, and it won't, but he plays so well that he goes and plays for Barcelona. Yeah. That would be good because I could just see him at Barcelona. He'd fit in, wouldn't he? Oh, he fits in. He fits in. But who fits in at Leicester? Oh, honestly, this is why you're a freelance broadcaster these days. Uh, yeah, let's go from the out. Well, just another mention on an out before we move on. Ben Hamer to Huddersfield. Uh, cheers, Ben. Moving in, or are we looking at potential moving out? We'll go, we'll go, we'll go with in. We'll go with um, with, with in first. Um, so we go for confirmed ins. Right, Pereira, uh, 22 million? Did he play once in the World Cup? I Instead think so. Cedric I, uh, in a game? Yeah. Maybe. But we'll see what he's like. Again, who knows? By all accounts, it's a really good signing. He's, from what I can gather, kind of halfway between a right back and a right winger to the point where nobody really knows whether to call him a right back or a right winger. So if, and we won't talk formation, potential formation today because we've just got too much to talk about, but if we went three at the back, Yay! he might fit into that right wing back role that Danny Simpson definitely does not. And also who would fit into three at the back is Johnny Evans. Ka-ching, three million. Let's not even think about what we paid his agent because even if we had to pay his agent the same amount of money, still only spending six million on a man with that experience of oh. and quality of Johnny Evans is fine by me. I'd be amazed if we paid his agent uh, the same fee. Well, there was rumours that was the stumbling block. I think it would be more. Yeah, well, it was four, wasn't it, the rumour? Yeah, I, I heard I heard it was about seven or eight million we paid for him. But In total? Yeah, three yeah. went to the club and um, the rest of his agents. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and um, Madison. Yeah, very excited by this one. 20 million for a lad who scored a lot and assisted a lot last season. He's played at youth level for England and he was one mentioned by Southgate, as I said at the top of the show, as one who could progress into the England squad. Uh, again, with him... Who knows, you're buying a, bag, a big talent and he seems quite lightweight, but then again, so did Mares. He seems to have a lot of skill, scores from all angles, free kick taker as well, which we don't really have, and looks a good player. Mm. Who knows? A bit of a flash Harry by the looks of him as well. Um, well, who cares? You've got to have a, you've got to oh, have yeah. a bit of swag about you. I'm not you. saying it's a bad thing. If you're an attacking midfielder, and Puel's bought a few, or has a few... Fear, fearless ones at his disposal when you can get Damari Gray's head right but Fuseni Diabati different player in many aspects to Madison more about pace rather than finesse at the moment at least but like he's a bit of a flash Harry as well isn't he diamond earrings hair whatever colour he wants swaggers into the place you have him and Madison in quite a fluid front at forward system just say off you go go and, go and play how you want to play go and play with the confidence that you strut around with and doesn't try and quash any of that out of them, you've got you've got exciting young talents there. Yeah, Madison, it sounds weird by saying we've signed someone for 20-odd million pounds and we've got to give him time. But again, I've, I didn't hear, I've never heard from him before last season. Mm. Now, that's probably because we're concentrating on Leicester and with what they've done over the last few years, of course, you go into. So... I would just hold back on him. If he does start and maybe gets dropped a couple of times for whatever reason, I wouldn't be concerned. Well, Diabati's still got a lot exactly. to prove. He's been hit and miss, but yeah. you can see in him what Puel sees in him and you can see in him what he can bring to the team. And I think, like you say, we've seen highlights reels of Madison already. Um, as soon as he was signed, Sky Sports were pinging up all his best goals from the championship this season. Uh, but it, it, he might have three good games and two bad ones. But that that's what young players do. That's what players finding their feet in the league for the first time will do. 
Premier League's a massive step up from the Championship, but I think he looks like he'll fit right in. He knows Chilwell, he knows Damari Gray, uh, so he's already got players here to help him settle in as well. Madders, obviously, has been used all the time. Madders, so Madders, yeah. but, you know, whether they use that as his nickname, but it's not like you've signed a 27-year-old confirmed Premier League player like Man City have. Um, we've signed a player who's only had you know, the best part of a season and a half or whatever in the championship. So we'll give him a bit of time. But again, it looks a positive signing. Um, Ryan Loft, recently from Spurs, or was he let go by Spurs? Let go by Spurs. Let go by yeah. Spurs. Uh, and we've signed him. So again, who knows? But um, Two-year free deal. Yeah, the moment- I mean, he'll, he'll be 22 when his contract's up. See how he's progressed in two years in your development squad. Um, maybe even sooner, but yeah. if nothing, if it doesn't work out, you've had a look at a promising player for two years, and then you can say, "Well, thanks and on your way." Forty, what five odd million pounds um, spent, sixty million in from Mares. So, in terms of the Premier League, we're actually the only club in, um, or if we are the only club, one or two clubs who have actually made a profit so far. Um, but we've made the most. And we've spent yet forty odd million, forty five million pounds. So I'd expect Leicester to spend obviously a lot more than that. They're well in clover. They must have had a, a war chest of say sixty million, for example. So just taking that rough get rough math, about what seventy five million left to spend. Who knows who they're going to sign? There's rumours about the Iranian winger from AZ Alkmaar. I was even... hoping you were going nope. to say that. I was literally just about nope. to drop that in. I hope Leicester City sign him just so I can listen to you. St- Stumble over his name for 90 minutes for a whole season. What is his name? I don't know. I've not even heard... Hang on. I'll, you're gonna, um, you're, I've not heard what you're about to do, which is basically go on YouTube. This is what I do. At, I'm at not going to YouTube it. I'm gonna, I, I YouTube uh, the person and then listen for someone else to say the name. What, to see how they say it? It's got a J. It starts with a J. Now, whether it's pronounced J or Yeah or... Oh God, no idea. But anyway, scored a lot of goals. But then again, I reckon I could get in double figures in the Dutch League. But... Um, We'll, we'll, oh, we'll, wait and, yeah. we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Ali Reza, that's his first name. Ali Reza. Ali's all right. Jahan Baksh, I think. Jahan Baksh. Something like that. Ali Reza, Jahan Baksh. I'm going for that for now. <laughs> I'll settle for that. That's, that's not the it. official pronunciation by no. any stretch. But, but um, no, we'll, we'll, we'll see who they're going to sign. We're not going to basically sit here and go through all the players, but um, that one looks to be a bit more... Uh, it's had a bit more traction bit than more some traction of the others, hasn't it? And and leaving the club, um, oh come on, <laughs> celebration! I'd I'd get the bunting out for this. The thing is with Musa, <laughs> we all know he scored them goals against. I you were going to put a bit more disguise for Nigeria. Uh, for Nigeria, that would I say against? Um, for Nigeria, now for, I I saw it and went. Well, we know he can do that. He did it against Barcelona. Yes, you were there. You were there, Barcelona. I thought Stockholm. Musa was going to be the best player in the world. We all did, but we know he's got that in him. But we've also seen him play poorly for Leicester on numerous occasions. He's gone through what three managers at Leicester, or however many, and each of them have really just gone. Hang on, that he's poor. There's obviously raw talent there, but we've just got to let go now. If that forty million is is believable, snap their hands off. I apparently it's nearer twenty million, but again. I think it's just that just let him go, move on, move on from there. Same with Slomani, really. Um, unless you're going to say just, you know, we're going to start Slomani, start him up top and give him a season alongside Vardy, change the formation, whatever, then fine. But if not, let him go. Just just, just get rid. And I think there'll be quite a few outs because at the moment, only Mares. And you look at a lot of the squad players. Well, how many? We've sat here for two or three summers now talking about these players, though, haven't we? Musa, how many more chances does he get? Slomani. 
Ajoa. Still, you see, I've seen the pictures of the preseason training camp they've just got back from uh, in France, and you're like, oh yeah, Ajoa's there. Hang on, is that Papi Mendy? Flipping heck. Well, Papi Mendy. These players in the squad. Papi Mendy's interesting. I'd, I'd like to see him have a go. Yeah, interesting because he used to play with uh, Claude Puel. Yeah, and he was he, he got that real bad injury, didn't he? I, I mean, I remember he never really got. He was awful did at it? Millwall. When we lost mm. against Mill, he was awful. Him and King, oh my God. But um, <laughs> King's back yeah. from his loan at Swansea. I mean, it's funny, with um, with a few sides signing... I mean, these are these are players. If I was a champion... I mean, I don't want to talk about them, but they're sides in the in the championship, local sides in the championship, spending a good few quid. And I'm going to, to, to friends of mine. There's a lot of players at Leicester, a lot of midfield. Like, if I all of a sudden took over at a, a, a decent championship club... I'll be, uh, local one I'll be knocking on the door saying can we have May James can mm. we have Andy King mm. you know these and, are the players and think what a player like uh, a manager like Frank Lampard could do for a player like Andy King even very s- similar in terms of goal scoring records from yeah. midfield late arrivals into the box that kind of thing he even could someone, probably thrive under him someone like an all, I know Albrighton you know he's been playing I, I, I could see his maybe next season being um, less involved in terms of the first team mm-hmm. but Someone like him, you know, if you're going to say, look, you've got a guaranteed starting spot on this side, I, I, I think there might be a lot of movements in terms of players leaving Leicester and maybe one or two surprises, we don't know. But um, it's it's all quite encouraging so far. I mean, this is the first real time. This is, To be honest, this is the first time that I've actually seriously thought about the squad, as in right now, not writing anything down. This is all just not planned at all but this is the first time I've actually thought about these players for months obviously with what's happened with England but mm. um, th- there has to be a lot of movement uh, and I'll be now they've come back from their um, their stay at Evian I think there'll be a lot of movement in the next few weeks because of course the, the transfer window closes correct me if I'm wrong the day before the season starts the Thursday nights because we're on we're on TV on the Friday does it actually close I, I don't think before? it's done that yet has it isn't it the end of August I think it's then. Is it? But as you carry on this conversation, I will check. Well, I'm, I was just Googling something else because um, it's another name that we're going to have to learn how to say. Um, a bit of a change in the backroom staff, which I wanted to oh, yeah. run past you. Yeah. One of the things that we've missed off of our list. Hulk Hogan's been let go, hasn't he? He has, yeah. Now, Michael Appleton was brought in by Craig Shakespeare from a managerial job at Oxford to become assistant manager, obviously at two divisions higher in the in the Premier League, was caretaker for a handful of games in the sort of changeover period, and, and seemed to be well liked, well respected within the camp, and was kind of the, apart from Mike Stowell, who's been at the club forever, um, was, and although he didn't work with Shakespeare for that longer period, I think they worked together previously at West Brom, something like that. But Michael Appleton was kind of like the last. Not clinger on, but the last one that wasn't necessarily a Claude Puel uh, appointment. So I'm not surprised to see him go, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I think he's done a very good job for us uh, as both an assistant and as a caretaker. But I'm not surprised that Claude Puel has made that change. I just wonder if bringing in Jacques Bonnevet... Who? Exactly. Who? Yeah. Jacques Bonnevet. Um, do you think if, if if there was question marks over the players being alienated by Puel's lack of passion and communication in the English language, do you think it's a wise move to get rid of an English-speaking, very 
down to earth, you know exactly what you're going to get from him, exactly what he wants, assistant manager, and replacing him with another French bloke. Do you think that risks further alienating the Leicester squad? Or do you think it's like Puel going, this is how we're playing, this is my backroom team, this is how we're going to get the best out of this team? I I agree in terms of there's a risk, but I would look at it the other way around, where Appleton didn't know Claude Puel from from Adam, you know, didn't know him from anyone at all, and then all of a sudden they get thrust together, and I think Claude Perrault will keep him there as a bit of continuity. And now, at the end of the season, he's decided to go with his own men. I don't think there's a problem with it. I, I know exactly what you're saying. I was I was just asking. I wasn't yeah. saying that's what I think. No, oh yeah, but I I I agree there could be. But then again, Claude Perrault is the manager. He's been backed by the club. He is. Um, Strange, actually, that we've actually not mentioned Claude Boyle until 43 minutes into the podcast. But um, loads of other stuff going on. He's by the by. We'll have a new manager in six months. Exactly, and I think that's the, how these things work. <laughs> it does here. But um, I th- I, we've, we've mentioned Claude Boyle, and I think we're in the same position with before. It's just going to be a huge first start, eight or ten games for him. Um, but him bringing his his assistants in, not a problem. Because if he's the boss, he's the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't his decision to keep. Uh, it wasn't his decision really to keep Appleton. I'd imagine he was brought in, and there was no way he could just bring all these people in. You need a bit of change over time. And six months, Appleton goes. No this, worries. This summer's the right time to do it. And it? also, Appleton might walk into a, a, a job soon, so it could be that he's actually left for that reason. You could, never know. Could get a championship manager's job, couldn't he? He could do, and maybe there's a little bit of gardening leave in between. That's why there's a bit of a gap. Hmm. Don't know because the season's not far away. The transfer window closes on Thursday, the 9th of August, the day before we play Manchester United at five o'clock in the evening. Okay. So that's very interesting. So it's all going to be wrapped up this year. But also, um, the European transfer window doesn't close until much later in the month. So essentially, we could actually keep hold. And you're looking at players like Sinamani, maybe Moussa, actually. So these players might not leave in the transfer window for players that we can sign, but it means that in later days of August, clubs in Europe can actually sign your players, which does actually give the Premier League a bit of a disadvantage. But it does, but it also it, on the positive spin, it means that your squad is set before. Yes, oh, I like I like it in terms of the Premier League having to sign players mm. before the season starts. I like that. They should say no ins and outs, then, shouldn't they? Because why should we be? Why should? European clubs be able to poach. Say say you've built your squad. Say Riyad Mahrez stays at Leicester, for example, just hypothetically, stays with us, transfer window um, ends on the 9th, just before the, the United game. And we're like, yeah, Mahrez is our talisman. He's with us again until at least January. And at that point, if, if it's end of August, the European one ends, and Barcelona come in and go, yeah, we need Riyad, Someone's just got injured and we could do with him. Um, or we were going to make a late bid for him, like Man City did have done in the past couple of windows. Then we've got no chance of responding to that. It's slightly awkward, I agree. But um, it's the way they've done it. And uh, I, the first thing that came to mind when I actually said it was the Thursday, does that kind of put us a bit off kilter in terms of... Remember last season when the transfer window closed and those games being played that night? I mean, what mm. a mess that was. Um, obviously, Leicester being the first game against Man United the day after the transfer window. Um, I wonder if that might upset the apple cart slightly with uh, with the team, I'd imagine. If it was me, for example, and I was manager, I would be telling the team on the Wednesday, at least, or maybe the Tuesday, look, this is the team that's going to be starting against Manchester United. Depending on who's signed, or, unless a player leaves, 
who is in that starting lineup, then nothing's going to happen. Even if Leicester make a big signing on the Thursday, he's not going to be in the starting lineup. Uh, just so there's a bit of not continuity, but it doesn't upset the team going up to Manchester, all sorts that can go on. So I imagine they'll go up and obviously Puel and whoever will be, um, you know, hanging back and doing the business at uh, at Beaver Drive, which of course uh, might not be the training ground for much longer because all the training ground, and I'm trying to segue into another bit now. The, it looks uh, lovely, doesn't it? It looks really good. I mean, that's, that's all we have to say about that really, but more pictures came out about it. It all looks very good and, uh, and hopefully that goes through. But, yeah, um, it's looking looking good. I'd imagine by the time, what this time next week, there might be a lot more information from you know signings or players leaving the club or maybe things to do with you know the ground and expansion. There's plenty to look forward to, and God knows what's going to happen in the league. I mean, we, we can't even start we, making no. predictions, can we? It's just nice to be able to sit today and talk club football again, isn't it? I know we've touched on World Cup and and things like that, but. The World Cup's done, really enjoyed it, but and it was almost a bit of a, a release really from, from club football. But it's nice now to be thinking the season's not far away, the squad is starting to take shape uh, and just start dreaming about what we might be able to achieve next season. During the World Cup, did anyone say to you, this feels a bit like what happened with Leicester or if they weren't a Leicester fan... I'd imagine this is what it felt like to be a Leicester fan. Yeah, quite a few. Quite a few with me as well. And it was, I think it was, going back to your earlier point, of ev- pretty much everyone was supporting the same team. Because everyone bar Spurs fans, Forest fans, if they cared, Derby fans, if they cared, was back in Leicester in that title winning season. Most people from other sports, most people from other countries were back in Leicester. Um, so, in that effect, maybe the Leicester thing was even bigger. And we went on and did it. But, yeah, so England fans, you've had a taste of what it was like, but you've not quite reached our dizzy heights yet. Yeah, losers. <laughs> you and your team. <laughs> Whoever you support, losers. Bottle jobs. Mm. That's another thing as well. Just to, Oh, yeah. To... Look how many Spurs players there were in the England team. No wonder they bottled it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I said, yeah, when they, when they beat um, when they beat Sweden... And I says, uh, obviously they found their bottle. Oh no, when they when they played Colombia, um, and they found their bottle. Oh, that's another thing as well. Um, when they played Colombia, and uh, I said, oh, they they found their bottle because obviously they've been teammates with Leicester players for a short while. Yeah. But um, when 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 Mares didn't step up, Mares, <laughs> when Vardy didn't step up to take the penalty, um, because he'd obviously done his groin, but didn't realise until after, like the public didn't, did we? I, I went on. He, he then posted afterwards saying, "Oh, brilliant! We're through to the next, you know, to the quarterfinals." And I looked at his Twitter feed, and the replies he got were unbelievable. Where were you? You, you were like. Didn't you see him running to the celebrations with his hand pretty much on his crotch, well, like at, out at the time, my groin? At the time, I, I didn't. But my first thing wasn't. My, I, I, obviously, when Dyer stood up, I was like, "Well, where's Mar- uh, Where's Where's Vardy?" Well, I was watching it in. But the... I was too busy concentrating on Dyer and scoring. And yeah. when he scored, I was too busy on doing cartwheels, forward rolls, and all and sorts. Chucking beer everywhere. Yeah, I was, I was too busy on doing that, enjoying the moment, then sitting down and going, "Vardy, ooh, I always knew you were rubbish," and all that. But, like, who does that? And then later on, when I saw it, I went, oh, I wonder what... 
And then obviously it came out that he got the injury and all that. And I went, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, the news came out quite How quickly. Bizarre. Didn't it? Some people are mm. really odd. Like, yeah. very I, odd. I wondered, but I didn't think, well, obviously we're Leicester fans, so I wouldn't do it anyway. But I didn't think to start slated him. But I, I watched got... it in the distillery in Leicester, and there was like a, hundreds and hundreds of people when it was the England's fifth penalty going, Vardy, 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 <laughs> Vardy. <laughs> and then the camera pans, and it's Eric Dyer, <laughs> and everyone went, eh? That's brilliant. What? And the penalty wasn't great, was it? I mean, oh, it went in, scored, so it's a good penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but honestly, but do, you, do you think Vardy would have scored it? Yeah, oh, he would have smashed it as hard as he can. And, yeah, and but would he have scored it? I, 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 would be, well, I, think it, I bet he'd have <laughs> smashed it so hard he'd have taken the Colombian goalkeeper back through the goal with it. It's a bit of a shame because if he did score, then if that's the only thing... Let's say he was injured. That'd be the finale for his film. Exactly. If he was injured, that would be a bit of a shame. If it was injured and he still stood up and he just scored it, okay, it hit the post, hit the goalie in the face and went in. It went in somehow. He would have still. He would have then been a national hero like Maguire was for three or four days. You can understand him not taking the risk, though. I think it's a very brave decision. I do. Oh, not brave decision. Um, Selfless decision. It is. I'd. I'd like to know, and and this will come out in in books that are written in the future. I'd love to know whose decision it was because I tell you right now, Vardy. I'd put good money on Vardy going. I'm taking the penalty as. He's having treatment, and then Southgate comes over and goes, "You're sorry, mate. You can't because you can't walk." Mm. And him going, "No, no, no. I'm fine. I'll take it. I'm. I can't believe that Vardy. I don't think he'd turn it down. I don't think he turned it down. I. I would. I believe that. Obviously, the, the coaching staff said no, but um, but the one thing is, when 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 we won, it a good only five minutes afterwards, I did get a message going about Vardy bottling it, and I went, and my my response was. Is that the first thing that you thought of after England have just won a penalty shootout at a World Cup final? If so, sort yourself out. Yeah, sort was it your former housemate, the Spurs fan? Um, no, no, uh, it wasn't actually. It wasn't. Actually. You do surprise wait, 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 wait. me. I, I, I'll, I'll try and find. I don't think it was him. I think it you was someone surprise. else. But yeah, it, but if that's what, if that's the first thing in your mind, you've got to be thinking. Come on. Your first thing in your mind's got to be. Oh my goodness me! We've won a World Cup penalty shootout for the first time ever. Let's go a bit mental. That was my first thought. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, I wonder why Vardy didn't take one. And then it all kind of the dust settled in in the hours that followed when all the press conferences had happened and stuff. But to to have that as your as your first thought or one of your first thoughts, enough of a thought to tweet to Vardy or to text you or something is... I can't is find a bit it, daft. really, to be fair. But... Um... Yeah, it it, it generally it generally was, and I I couldn't believe it. It was really funny, but uh, um, yeah, that's that's basically uh, that's how it worked. I can't find it anyway. Um, yeah, there we are. That's the end of the podcast. Um, what are we? <laughs> I came around quite quickly. Yeah, it did. Um, anyway, I don't know when we're going to do the next one. I Before mean, I go on holiday, really? When did you do that? Mm, next Friday. All oh, right. Um, well, it depends. If anything happens, then yeah. But if not, then maybe not. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'll. Uh, I'm. I'll, I might get a, a word with the Anfield boys on Thursday. That's a good point. I could do that. Yeah, you could. Anfield rap, bit of filming down the old King Power with them. Whatever. What I don't know what we're doing, but uh, um, yeah, I'll take the recorder and get their viewpoint because um, I've been on theirs for a while and they're big supporters of Leicester in terms of obviously being. Liverpool fans, but they really do like Leicester, and they always said about they they what they like. Um, and this is a viewpoint I have on many clubs. When Leicester are the Super Sunday team on Sky or the Monday Night Football, they go yes. 
because it's going to they, they they enjoy watching Leicester. Um, obviously now Morris is not there, they probably won't say that. But uh, no, we got Madison, Debate, Gray. I'll, I'll see what the viewpoint is from. Yeah, it'd be good to know from football fans of other clubs. Well, from from the Anfield Rap Lads, who you have to say they're the biggest podcast to do with a football club in I want to say Europe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they've got their own radio station from it, so they must be. But uh, I'll see what they have to say, um, if I obviously remember to take the equipment and stuff. But apart from that, that's about it for, for Fox's sake. What is it, episode 91? So we're approaching that 100 mark. Yeah, so keep thinking of your ideas, what we might be able to do for the 100th one. I try and remember There's how you can get of, hold of us. talk of sitting in a pub, isn't there? Well, hopefully. That could go badly. Could go really well. Um, now to contact the to contact us um, for Fox Eight Podcast at gmail is the email address. If you go onto Twitter and type in FFS Pod for Fox Eight Podcast, uh, then you'll find us on Twitter. That's the best place, really. You can send us a direct message or just uh, follow us there. We're on Facebook as well. Type in for Fox Eight Podcast, and then you can click a click on us and there you can like us, and it means that you get all the latest. And the best way to listen to the podcast, I don't know how you're listening to this, maybe it's through SoundCloud, maybe it's through links, however, um, but the best place and best thing to do is if you have a mobile phone and it has podcast on there, so if you have a, a fruit-based phone, basically if you've got an iPhone, uh, on the front of it, it says podcasts, and if you click on there, uh, you can then type it in and click subscribe, i.e. if you've got a mobile, if you've got a laptop or whatever, go on iTunes, we are on iTunes as well, so click on that. Um, and then type in for Fox 8 Podcast and make sure you click subscribe and it means you'll get every single episode as soon as Rob uploads them. And uh, and if you want to rate and review us, which I hear a lot of podcasts saying, then you can do because uh, it'll be nice. And, uh, you know, if you you know need anything doing, then uh, basically give me a bell because I could do with the work. <laughs> <laughs> Not like painting or anything, you know what I mean? But uh, Yeah, it'd be useless at that. I've seen the state of your house. It's, it's all right. Anyway, uh, the garden's superb. We'll have to have a, um, if we've still got this nice weather, we'll have to have another garden episode. Oh, We've that was good, before. that was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's it for episode 91. It's good to be back, and we'll be back possibly in the next seven days with uh, with uh, me and the uh, and some Liverpool lads. But if not, you'll be back in a bit, won't you? Where are you going? Europe. Going on a road trip. I'm oh, going for four no. weeks. Four weeks? Yeah, I haven't told you this yet, no, have I? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Cuts, cut, cut, cut. Time <laughs> out, time out. VAR, VAR. You sounded like Mike Dean then. No, no, no. No, no. Oh, Jesus. <laughs>